Open scene. You're on a beach in Hawaii. Your toes are digging into the grains of sand. Palm trees span the beach as far as your eyes can see. And as the waves lap up on the sand, you have a cocktail in one hand and a good book in the other. On your right is the love of your life. On your left is your loving family. Bliss, right? It's almost cinematic, straight out of a movie. So honestly, what would prompt any person to give that up? A new job? Never. A pandemic? Definitely not. You'd want to be on the beach during the pandemic. But what about exposing incredibly secretive mass surveillance programs? The answer is yes, if your name is Edward Snowden. Hi, my name is Rishabh, and I'm a first-year student at Vanderbilt University. In this episode of One Time Pod, I will be recounting the story of Edward Snowden, and more specifically, the PRISM program. As users of technology, we leave behind breadcrumbs of our internet habits. Our data is seen as valuable to businesses and the government both. Before telling you this story, I want to pose the question of who deserves our data. Is it the private companies we trust to operate the online services we use, or is it the government who we trust to look out for our best interests? Or should we try and find a balance between the two? Or do you believe that your data belongs to you and you exclusively? These questions had real-life implications on Edward Snowden's life and profession. Now let's see how he answered them. We have heard so much about Edward Snowden, the famed hacker known for his escapades from country to country just to escape the clutches of the government. From America to Hong Kong to Russia, we argue whether he is a hero or a traitor for leaking government secrets. But when does this journey begin? Hey America. It is time. Blockbuster report. Secret government surveillance program. The NSA collecting phone records from millions of Verizon wireless customers. I'm switching right now to ATT. I think we can assume it's all the other carriers as well. Some groups think this is a massive invasion of privacy. Gigantic overreach by the federal government. These are clips from June 6, 2013, the day that The Guardian and Washington Post reported that the National Security Agency had been collecting phone records of millions of Verizon customers under a top-secret court order. A few days later, The Guardian revealed that Edward Snowden, a Booz Allen contractor, was the source of these leaks. Snowden was an IT systems expert working under a contract for the NSA, and had discovered internal documents suggesting that the American government had the exact same surveillance capabilities as the communist Chinese government. However, unlike China, America was hiding this from its public. Snowden grappled with exposing this, but decided in the name of protecting the rights and expectations of the American public that it was the best idea to expose this information. The second of Edward Snowden's leaks revealed PRISM. But to fully understand the PRISM program, we need to back up a bit. By nature, Congress is a reactive body meaning that they will fix a problem only after it occurs. Information has long been a valuable commodity for law enforcement, but with technology, it has become both easier to receive and hide this information. In 1978, following the Watergate scandal, Congress passed the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which, quote, prescribes procedures for requesting judicial authorization for electronic surveillance and physical search of persons engaged in espionage or international terrorism against the United States on behalf of a foreign power. The act also created a secret court known as the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. The court provides judicial oversight on the intelligence community, and before the United States of America Freedom Act of 2015, the court kept most, if not all, of its proceedings confidential. 
Recently disclosed documents suggest that the court had ruled that it was illegal for the government to intercept communications between two foreign endpoints, even if the communication passed through the United States. To close this information gap, Congress passed the Protect America Act of 2007. The act implemented law prioritizing surveillance over privacy. It deemed that only one single certification was necessary for intercepting the communications of numerous individuals, and these certifications required no judicial review. So with this newfound freedom and government permission, the NSA created the PRISM program. PRISM, or Planning Tool for Resource Integration, Synchronization and Management, collects internet communications from various United States internet companies. With this tool, the NSA and FBI were tapping directly into the central servers of American companies, including Microsoft, Google, and Apple. Since 2007, the NSA had been extracting the details of customer activities, including audio and video chats, photographs, emails, documents, and other materials. The NSA demanded that these companies turn over any data that matched court-approved search terms. Knowing that data from all over the world flows to the United States, the NSA worked with companies for this information. This gives the government the ability to intercept any communications from foreign citizens. However, PRISM's algorithm only needed a 51% confidence interval for determining if a citizen was foreign. As a result, large amounts of American civilian data was intercepted and analyzed. Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act states that the government cannot target anyone unless there is an appropriate and documented foreign intelligence purpose for the acquisition. Based on Section 702, the government cannot target anyone unless there is reasonable suspicion. But given that the confidence interval for the data was only 51% when it came to determining whether a citizen was foreign, a lot of American people were implicated in the process. At its peak, PRISM accounted for nearly 15% of all intelligence records and 91% of the programs approved under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. But what people tried to figure out next was what was the NSA doing with this data? Unfortunately, and not surprisingly, the NSA has not fully declassified how its data collection process works. Internet detectives have some theories that were confirmed in parts by some declassified documents, but a lot of it is still a mystery. These detectives theorize that the NSA analyzes its targets and then makes a request for data via the PRISM program. Then, the interface interacts with companies in one of two ways. First, employees from these companies receive the query and then send the data packet back to the NSA. Or second, there is a Dropbox that the NSA operates. This theory suggests that employees facilitate huge data dumps. The data goes straight to the NSA, where it is then distributed to its other programs. Another way of describing this data collection is like a vending machine. Suppose the NSA is the customer, and the data is the snacks in the vending machine. Either the customer goes and chooses out a specific snack based on what he or she wants, or the customer goes and simply takes everything from the machine. Ultimately, the customer gets the snack that he or she wants, but whether it is a specific search or a more general query is up to the NSA agent. However, the NSA agent is not stealing these snacks. Rather, he or she is quote-unquote paying for it. This is because this entire process was all legal. According to Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, the program is legal and does not unilaterally obtain information from companies. Rather, through a written directive from the Attorney General, the companies opened up channels with the NSA to receive necessary data. 
In fact, some of these companies even had discussions with the NSA on how this data could be transported more easily. Facebook even built their own unique system dedicated to data retrieval and sending. So clearly these companies had full transparency and had no problem with what the NSA was doing. But here's the funny part. Every single company that was implicated by Snowden's leak vehemently denied any involvement in the prison program. Apple claimed that they, quote, do not provide any government agency with direct access to their servers. Google rejected claims saying that Google does not have a backdoor for the government. Microsoft expressed that, quote, if the government has a broader voluntary national security program to gather customer data, we do not participate in it. On the flip side, government officials did their best to justify the program's existence. When asked about Snowden's leaks, President Obama said, uh, with respect to all these programs, uh, the relevant intelligence committees are fully briefed on these programs. Uh, these are programs that have been authorized by broad bipartisan majorities repeatedly since 2006. And so I think at the outset, it's important to understand that uh, your duly elected representatives have been consistently informed on exactly what we're doing. James Clapper, the director of the NSA, said, quote, information collected under this program is among the most important and valuable intelligence information we collect and is used to protect our nation from a wide variety of threats. The federal government continued to justify their actions through more bipartisan measures. The leadership of the House Intelligence Panel, Representatives Mike Rogers, a Republican, and Dutch Ruppersberger, a Democrat, said in a joint statement, that these programs have successfully detected and disrupted at least one terrorist plot on American soil. The NSA went on to justify that nearly 50 terrorist attacks had been thwarted thanks to PRISM's work. However, many congresspeople asked for tangible evidence, but in the name of national security, the NSA refused to provide. The American public was shocked. Privacy is considered to be incredibly sacred thanks to the Constitution, but with these newfound revelations, the American public was incredibly disillusioned with their government. The government had been maintaining their data and observing it without their consent. Edward Snowden had opened Pandora's box. The American public had to grapple with the fact that Snowden had potentially exposed only a small portion of surveillance operations. It was time to reevaluate priorities. Did we want to reclaim all our privacy back, or do we still have some faith in government? Moments like this show great vulnerabilities in government, and the response tells an even greater story about the truth. With this information, what would you do? Now, who do you knowingly trust with your data? Since technology is not going away, it is necessary for us to grapple with these questions and determine to what extent you can even control what is yours and what is someone else's. The prison program oddly chose the best name imaginable. It has the potential to split the light and expose all layers of something. And ironically, Edward Snowden shone the light on the government and exposed a lot of its layers. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you learned something new about the government and prison.